Welcome to the first episode of the inaugural season of Enough, a podcast exploring what enough means through thoughtful conversations about having, doing, knowing, and being enough. I'm Lawrence Berner II. And I'm Caroline Howe, and we will be your hosts on this journey. Today, we're kicking things off by exploring how we arrived at this conversation ourselves and why we want to invite you, dear listener, into it. And while there's definitely enough time, <laughs> we, we don't want to keep you waiting too long. So let's get started. Hi, Lawrence. <laughs> hey, Caroline. I am so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, I am also excited. This has been a long time in the making. It sure has. And to those of you listening, welcome to join us on our Enoughness Conversations. We're super excited to be here and excited to share this beginning conversation with you. We're going to talk about who we are, what enough is, what drew us to enough. Lawrence, who, who are you? Today I am a hot and sweaty person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am someone whose back is sore. I am a storyteller and a queer uncle and a gardener and someone who loves recording audio. <laughs> yes. I am a mystic. Hashtag mystics for the revolution. <laughs> I am a son and a sibling and someone who is trying to get in right relationship with the earth and my body, which are not separate, but I'm really working on like, do I, do I fully understand mm. that? Mm-hmm. Mostly don't, but you know, sometimes I have breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who's a little hungry. <laughs> That's just how I am. That's not who I am. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to know how you are too. <laughs> okay, maybe if I start to bring it to a close, I am someone who is working for freedom for all people and all beings. I'm someone who works for liberation, which, is what that previous thing means. Mm -hmm. I'm a liberation worker and I am someone who feels like we don't talk about enough, enough. Yes. (laughs) In America. (laughs) Yes. So that's who I am. Caroline, can I flip the question? Yes. Who are you? I am today, because I love that framing, today I am a godmother and a fairy godmother. I am a florist and an artist. I am a poet and a bunny mama to my little rabbit Sherpa. I am a diffuse extrovert. I love people and I love conversations with people and I'm very grateful for this one. I am growing as an anti-racist and as a liberation worker. And I am deeply connected to my planet and my garden as my little bit of my planet and to the trees and the flowers and the lichens and the creatures who live in those spaces. I am a radical fairy and a queer lover and a 
conversationalist. I love, I love thoughtful, meaningful conversation with people. And I am a grower of both plants and cucumbers and of myself. And on the journey to feel able to say that I am enough. Mm. Mm. What a journey. Yes. Yes. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Thank you. Mm. Well, I'm curious what drew you to this question of enough. Oh, wow. Yeah. So 10 years ago, year 2010, it emerged for me that the thing that was hardest for me to say was I am enough. I had tears streaming down my face and I was just realizing how much society and my life and my stories I was telling myself were leading me to feel like I was not enough. And the more I read and learned that that is exactly the goal of capitalism and marketing was to make me feel like I wasn't enough and patriarchy maintaining power to make me feel like as a woman, I was not enough on my own and that that was really affecting a lot of my relationships. Um, And so I think I was really approaching enough as what does it mean to feel like enough in yourself as yourself? And also as in the world of climate change activist, which I was and am, and as someone working towards sustainability, these questions of consumption are so tied to Um, both feeling like enough without what the companies want to be selling me, uh, but also feeling like I have enough that there was until I felt that there was never like seeing the patterns that were driving deep consumption were an excessive consumption and excessive activism. We're all tied together in this same theme of an unhealthiness with the relationship to enough. When I realized that my activism was driving me to replicate some of the habits, which I most despised of the fossil fuel industry, of just valuing productivity and like the impact of my activism over my relationships and my people, I realized that this same driver of not having enough, not doing enough was exactly the same that was driving people to put profit over people and planet. And it really felt like a calling to continue to ask and explore this question. And what about you, Lawrence? What drove you to exploring enough? Yeah, um, I'm definitely finding myself like swimming in your thoughts. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, whoop, let me pull back into myself. Because <laughs> obviously, I follow up questions, but I'm gonna leave them there. I think if I settle back into myself, Maybe a couple of things. There was a period between like the middle of high school and graduate school, which was probably seven years, where I moved like twice a year at least. And so twice a year on average. So I was just moving a lot. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who has moved a lot, you learn pretty quickly you don't carry shit like you let (laughs) you leave as few you carry as few possessions as possible because it's just exhausting (laughs) to try to carry too much and so as i was doing that i was just like noticing people around me even my friends who were moving into and out of dorms i was like 
there's so much stuff. People have so much stuff. And I was just noticing that if I can live, Mm. I, I was learning through this process of moving a bunch, like I can live with a lot less than I thought I could. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting to me because I hadn't been taught that. Like no one taught me how much I needed. And then I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, why do we not talk about how much we actually need? And then I think that kind of connected to me through all sorts of different like mm-hmm. spiritual and social justice activism to the conversation of like excess and greed. So much of what the communities I was working with, like in farm labor or people who were struggling with addiction or people who were in recovery or in like spiritual justice communities or spiritual communities that were seeking justice um, on behalf of in like allyship with people who were the most marginalized, just like so much of what we were struggling against was just fully unfettered greed. Mm. That's what was driving so many of the systems that like underpaid people, made people struggle with substances, like created structures that made hunger possible. Mm-hmm. A percentage of the world is just like has way too much and is not interested in giving up the too much. But I found in those spaces, like when I was in conversations with people who I was like quote unquote organizing against, mm. It's like there was literally no conception of the word enough. It like wasn't like people literally could not understand what I was saying. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, do you have enough money? Like what is enough money? Mm-hmm. It like wasn't conceptually possible to understand. It's like all that existed was the need for more. And I think that is also tied up with capitalism and cis heteropatriarchy, like extraction. It's it's like all I don't know if it's the root of all of it, but it's definitely pretty far down there. Like when you <laughs> are talking about theory and like foundations of these systems, it's like, oh, we don't believe we are enough or have enough in so many directions. So I think that's kind of what drew me in. And now I feel like, should we talk a little bit about how we got to talking about this stuff together? Yes, <laughs> yes. You first. <laughs> Well, when we connected in grad school, you were one of the sort of heart behind questions around the new economy in an urban planning school was really inspiring to me because I think the the new economy, which itself is a return to, in some ways, an older economy, but there was in this. So for, for me, in seeing the conversations that you were organizing, this question of enoughness was underneath some of it. We will only be replicating an extractive capitalist economy, even if it is barter-based or free cycle-based, if we are not addressing these underlying pieces of enough. And I don't remember the first, the way we decided to do the first enoughness workshop, but I remember it around in a graduate classroom, lots of pizza on the table. And I had thought through some of the questions um, that for me felt really powerful at getting people to start to unpack some of their personal history around the fear of not enough, which I think came up so strongly in those first conversations, that was intergenerational fear of, um, of not having enough. 
and some questions that had come out of some climate workshops around what really made you want to have that thing you wanted to have and what were the underlying and why did you want that and why did you want that and going seven layers deep into your desire for what you wanted and i think so much came out of those first conversations even that first one and we decided to have more and it's hard to believe that that was seven years ago uh, but the shapes that it has taken obviously an ongoing thread in our in our in our personal and our friendship conversations throughout that time but also lots of different shapes of those sort of enoughness workshops of engaging people in those questions of thinking through in particular i think because of where we were both coming at it so much of the having enough was a core part of those initial conversations that was my experience what about for you yeah i think that sounds pretty right on i don't have very much more to add. The one thing I will add that that arc of the story feels right. I definitely remember the pizza and like being with people. And there was like a lot of time where people were, it was like people were journaling. We were like asking questions and people were just kind of like on their own thinking, writing, um, and then in dialogue. But it really began with like people kind of in their own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just feels important to me now, definitely partly because we're in this like COVID moment. And as America continues to drop the ball on our response yep. to something that lots of other places have maybe not been perfect, but have figured out, we're still in this state where it's like not totally clear how we orient to each other. So a lot of us are spending time alone um, or mm-hmm. at least in, in, spending time with our internal selves, our inner work, or avoiding our inner work by <laughs> indulging in Netflix and things, but no shame against that. <laughs> like it is a shift out. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, anyways, I'm rambling. My point is the space to go inward felt important to me in those workshops. And so just to like call that out. Um, and then one other thing I'll just add on that was, um, I don't know if we talked about this, but I definitely remember that as you got down the whys, the five whys or the seven whys, however many Mm -hmm. you did, it's like people started to come up with very similar themes. Mm -hmm. It's like the roots of the consumption are all pretty similar. And Mm -hmm. we did talk about that, but what I don't remember us talking about was like the identity impact of those things and that like the even though the roots are very similar, the way it shows up for each of us is super different. So just to like mm-hmm. notice that like based on your race or based on your gender or based on your class or other mm-hmm. things, you know, at the surface, it might look like it might look really different across our surface levels. But once you get far down enough, it's like, oh, there's a really similar thing here. And that feels really powerful to me because especially, you know, you mentioned being becoming a stronger anti-racist. I'm also on that journey. Just to say, like, as someone who is black, it does not mean <laughs> I'm like born anti-racist. <laughs> it does make me more likely to be anti-racist. Yes. <laughs> but you know, white supremacy is not a system that is in people only based on their skin color. Mm. So mm-hmm. to say, like, in 
anti-racism work, like the more places we can find similarities across identity, the better. And this feels like a really powerful yeah. one because it's wicked. Like that's the real root or that's mm -hmm. a real root. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I thought I wasn't going to add that much and then I added a bunch. <laughs> I love it. All of it was all of which was really rich. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to reflect on those sessions. What's been so interesting is that commonality across many different when we've done enoughness sessions, that first one with grad students, and then older folks and younger folks yeah. and um, social justice workers, the common theme that while the things that we not quite covet, but the things that we want, the things that we yeah. um, are so often, I mean, I guess I, I'd love to dig a little more into what those common themes of like what we're actually wanting when we want more, which is um, a, I heard a commonality mm -hmm. of connection, a connection yep. with other people and being able to be present for other people, whether that was wanting to travel or be able to um, connect with the planet by being able to camp or be outside and the sort of like physical things that enabled those experiences um, and those connections, including some of the stuff that was also connections with those we've lost. I remember thinking through this idea of the, the stuff we hold on to because it holds an emotional weight of someone we've lost or someone we've been in the past um, and feeling like holding on to that stuff holds us to that. Um, and then really this undercurrent of like wanting to avoid pain yep. and like wanting to avoid the fear of letting ourselves or our children or our ancestors down in some way by not having enough for them in the future. And that comes to wealth for sure. And the desire to have like more and more wealth to pass on to some future generation or to prevent ourselves from ever being in a position of want in the future, but also food. And I think that comes up in this COVID moment in the early days and even now, um, the sort of hoarding tendency of not wanting to be without toilet paper or flour. <laughs> um, and, oh my God, I forgot about those days. Yes. And it was so much from this place of this fear of not having enough. Or and, and I think that that comes back to this fear and desire for connection is that without a connection to each other, we are so afraid of being in that position of not having toilet paper or not having flour and not being able to ask a neighbor um, and or not being able to ask a friend. Uh, in those moments and feeling like we need to be doing it on our own and we need to have enough on our own to guarantee our children's education or the possible future health risk of um, needing to pay for surgery or something like that. And that, to your point, yep. so tied to class, past experience, and again, just to name it again, intergenerational experience. Totally. of having grandparents or parents who had wanted and really passing on that fear and the reality of that that experience of having gone without of having not been able to afford a medical treatment or um or or not being able to um not being able to access because of race, because of gender, because of class that that money feels like a proxy for uh, a stand-in for a past in which that was prevented because of other characteristics. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I remember being really fascinated that it didn't matter 
in the context of the workshops, like if it was so, it was still so common, whether you were like in my case, someone who is descended from slaves has been racially marginalized and oppressed in America. And that was where my concern for not having enough came from because like in many cases, my ancestors did not have enough material resource to be well and healthy. So that drove me. And then someone who was super wealthy, <laughs> their, their, you know, grandparents, great grandparents, grandparents before that, like either had had enough and wanted to just continue to perpetuate the enoughness or the few people who got far back enough. It also was a place of like, oh, like, yeah, the reason you got, like, the reason your people came to this land was fleeing a situation where they did not have enough. Yeah. And so anyways, it was just like really interesting to, again, see the commonality, whether you had enough or didn't have enough, whether you went super far back or just a little bit back, it was just all there. It was all, all there. So I'm feeling excited to move on to these four themes that we've been thinking about. Yes. So as you mentioned before, like our conversation, the workshops that we held were really um, focused on having enough or not having enough like how do people orient to the material side of enough because we were in the context of like new economy and in the last six months specifically in january when we talked last this kind of crystallized but it's been in our conversation journey as you said um these like four themes around enough have come up um and so the four are having enough being enough knowing enough and doing enough mm. and would love to just do a quick little like, okay, what, how are you in relationship to each of those four right now? And then I'll say the same. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, starting where we were around having enough and building on what you were saying about regardless of where you're coming from, there are those fears. I think the past uh, I, I have felt, you know, in the past six years, we've been doing this work and conversations together. I thought that I had made some real progress around uh, addressing my fears of having enough. And I think that COVID took it to another level for me of realizing just how much privilege I have in terms of my family's stability. My parents are financially stable on their own. They have enough, both in terms of money, but also a house and a place to stay and that stability that they've, they own their home and they won't be evicted. And that sense of having, like, I feel so grateful that I have enough to, to know my stability. Um, and it brought into such stark reality the immense comfort that that provided me and the like just I'm embarrassed to say it but the like immense responsibility that I had to make sure that I was helping other people who were in a situation right now of not having enough and whether that was through these incredible systems that emerged of mutual aid or virtual tip jars of the um, service staff who were, were in a position of more intensely not having enough. And so I feel such gratitude for that. And I think it has, in addition to having many more conversations with friends and family about 
taking like really seriously considering what reparations will look like for our family and in our community and recognizing it is a national reparations is national work as well as individual work mm. um and so it has been i'd say sort of a to the extent that i had been doing the work of thinking about you know releasing my fears around having enough or passing enough to future generations just a slap in the face and being like, you have effing enough, like get real and start seriously addressing the fact that others don't have enough and you are in a position of such immense privilege. Don't be uh, whatever words I have thrown at myself, but like just a slap in the face of being like, you're like, get over it. You have enough. And so it has been like a very real, I feel like it, it yeah, it got me there. Not proud that that's what it took, but um, but that's where I am in this moment. Hmm. What about you around having enough? Well, you know, I feel excited for you to go through all four if you feel good about that. Right. I'm Fabulous. Like, I do. I do. Mode. Thank you. Okay. I am also feeling, I have been on such a journey since in 2010 when I could not, literally could not say the words I am enough to now where I feel able to scream it from the rooftops. Um, and that has also been... Uh, really loving myself. And I want to thank the goddess that is Lizzo for helping me along that journey as well, because I'll yes. be real. Whenever I am not feeling like I am enough, there are some of her songs which remind me of the goddess within me. Um, and meditation has helped too. Um, the power of really feeling my connection to this earth and the universe in a really meaningful way that reminds me that that divinity in me is enough. Um, and I think also some of the reality checks of the past six months of people saying very clearly to white people like me, you cannot wait anymore. You are enough. You know enough. You have to start having these conversations and realizing that I am enough to have a meaningful conversation with other white folks in my community about what more we need to be doing. Um, and I am enough to hold meaningful conversations in multiracial community around what the future of our food system look like and uh, what the future of real racial equity in the sustainability landscape look like. And again, feeling like in some ways, this smack of feeling not enough is a crutch that you that is preventing you from doing the work you need to be doing. Wow. And it was a power, like the combination of feeling liberated as a single woman and held to account for like, I couldn't stay silent because I didn't feel like I was enough to have those conversations. That combination feels really present in 2020. And so... I'm feeling like I am enough doesn't mean I'm perfect. Like I am enough does not mean I am perfect. Uh, but I am enough does mean I live in a fine body and I live in with a beautiful spirit and feeling like I am enough to be worthy to walk this planet and I am enough to have the strength to have really hard conversations. Yeah, which which ties in, I know I've sort of touched on it, ties in with the knowing enough, recognizing that I have so much to learn and I am constantly in a place of learning 
uh, both about the, like both about race, also about the really the constantly learning about our planet and the creatures on it. Like this um, time in quarantine has enabled me to actually be spending a lot of um, again enormous privilege to be able to spend time in our cities, parks, and um, wild places, and constantly learning about the fungi and trees and world around me and recognizing that I know enough to share, uh, that I have the ability to share that knowledge. And knowing and doing has always felt tied to me because I, and I think this is a part of white supremacy culture as well, this idea of perfection and the worship of the sage on stage, like wanting to only listen to expert opinion and feeling like until I knew enough, I shouldn't do. Um, and that, you know, sent me on a long journey, both in academia, as well as, you know, I think, and I love learning. So I think it was easy to say like, oh, I, I don't have all the information yet. Um, and so I think that sometimes prevented me from doing. Doing enough, it feels like the most real and present challenge for me among the four right now. Um, it has always felt hard in in around climate and, and what it will take for us to, it now is no longer about preventing climate change. Um, it is maybe slowing the impacts on the most vulnerable. It constantly feels like there is not enough that I could do uh, and I think the pursuit of racial equity, it's also like there is no there's no way that I could do enough to counter the pain, suffering that my government and my family and my people my uh, have done. Mm. And I think recognizing like recognizing that there's that holding both at the same time that it will never be enough doesn't mean to not be doing and to hold myself with a gentleness and grace around setting realistic body boundaries to take care of myself um, while I'm doing what I can and what will keep me motivated in this lifetime of work on, you know, climate and Racial justice are intricate. Climate justice is racial justice, and race, like the movement for racial justice, is addressing the drivers of climate change. I see those as really interconnected, um, and that is also why it feels really overwhelming. I've recognized, like, what do I need to do to take care of myself to keep myself motivated and uh, and be gentle on the days when, as you were saying earlier, when I do need to, like being gentle with myself when I just wanna watch a full season of Pose and do nothing else. And that is giving myself that tenderness, I think. Yeah, wow, thank you for holding that space for me. That's where I am with the enoughness questions in this moment. Okay, so my, my dance through these four themes um, I think I generally feel pretty good about the first two. And maybe similarly, the fourth one is the biggest current struggle. And the third one, I'm, yeah, more coming into myself around, but getting 
I definitely notice like, okay, well, whatever, I'll get it. I'll, I'll get into it. So having enough, definitely that story I was talking about before around moving around a bunch for those couple of years or for that almost decade or however many years it was taught me to be well with a lot less. Mm-hmm. And I also almost became a monk during that time. And so I was going to have even less stuff. Wow. Separate story. <laughs> I was like, bookmarked. oh, right. Yeah, bookmarked. Um, not having very much was something I was looking forward to because I really believe that there is something about the way we relate to possessions in Western societies or at least American societies that actually weighs us down. Like it makes us less free. And I've definitely seen this happen with like my friends who are wealthy. They're like, I don't want to say they're in chains to their possessions because <laughs> it's not the same, but like the amount of emotion and even physical constriction that happens in their bodies when conversations about family land, family houses, money in accounts, like watching those people have those conversations. I'm like, oh, you are a subject to this material. Like you don't own it, it owns you. And it's really wild to see. And like watching people be so upset when like a giant account goes down a little is like, this is the definition of insanity. <laughs> <I'm watching. laughs> I'm watching insanity play out in front of me. Um, anyway, so having seen those things, I feel very clear. I have enough. And I think maybe I go in waves of like, how much do I have enough? <laughs> like, I never believe I don't have enough. And there's sometimes where it's like, okay, I got some extra money in the paycheck or like did some extra consulting work. And I feel like I have enough to give a lot And then I think there's moments where it's like, okay, I have enough to be well myself. And that feels kind Mm -hmm. of like the edge of my, of my state. Being enough has also felt pretty stable for me in the last many years. I definitely have noticed maybe in the last three or four years as I've done more work around undoing patriarchy and working with men that men are much more able, men are more often in my experience to say that we are enough. Mm. I think there is some like, there's male privilege there, even though men being able to say they are enough and them actually feeling like they are enough are different things, but the ability to say it is much larger. So I feel like I benefit in some ways from that. Um, But I also had a near-death experience when I was 16 or 17, and that really pivoted my capacity Mm. or my experience of being enough, which was like, oh, I will not be at some point. Like the way I currently am, I will not be. And that was a a liberating experience because it's like, oh, like living in a body is the aberration in terms of my soul's experience. Like I was, one of my nibblings was talking about their sibling, but in the days before the sibling was born. And the nibbling said, oh, do you mean when blank was still dead? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. Right? We were we are kind of dead before we come into a body. <laughs> yeah, mind blown, right? And then we die again and we go back to whatever we were before. And so this near-death experience just really helped me be clear, like, oh, I am the same things that I came from and will be going back to. 
So like a falsity that I would be anything else in the middle. Um, so I think that's been a big impact there. And also a bunch of my spiritual development work has been around that too. Like just knowing what it means to be enough. I've said I am enough in like many different spiritual formation programs. So maybe not programs, pathways. Okay, anyways, that's that one. Knowing enough, my capacity to know enough, like it never limits me. I'm never like, mm. definitely been a journey especially having been conditioned by academia, which made me believe, I'll speak for myself, that if I didn't know everything about something, I shouldn't say anything, kind of similar to your experience. After I have like worked some of those constraints off of me, I no longer am concerned when I'm acting. Mm. If I know enough, I do know that I need to be humble if I feel like I'm not super knowledgeable about what's happening but that doesn't mean i can't take any steps i've been loving this analogy lately like babies like babies don't learn to walk by just like standing up and going <laughs> they don't know how to walk when they start learning how to walk they just yeah. start learning how to walk they like crawl and they do these like funny squats and they start to pull themselves up and then they do like kicks and then you know it's like a it's a process and then once they start to like take steps, they fall a lot. <laughs> like they fall a lot and they learn to fall often on their butts. So it doesn't hurt so much, but like they don't know how to walk when they start, they do it in stages and then they fall a bunch and then they walk. So that's really been my, that's my like new stance or not new stance, it's my stance, but the baby analogy really works. It's like, okay, I don't have to know everything to start learning how to blank. So there's definitely humility in that that's important. And also like being willing to be checked. <laughs> someone's mm. like, hey, you don't know what you think you know. I need you to take a step back so someone who does know can step up. Mm -hmm. It's like, yep, you're right. All the way back. <laughs> I'm, I will make the space and thank you for teaching or being willing to step in or being willing to just say like, you don't know. And I need someone else who knows more to be here. Mm -hmm. So that, the willingness to be able to say, I don't know is huge. Mm -hmm. And then doing enough. Yeah, definitely. This is the biggest struggle. Oh, wait, one more thing I wanted to say about knowing enough. I know that that's one of my edges because when I am like spiraling emotionally or like in some sort of yeah emotionally diminished state, I don't feel like I struggle with depression, but you know, I definitely get sad. Things definitely get hard. It's not persistent, but when it happens, my knee jerk is to buy books. Wow. <laughs> Have bought like 20 books in pandemic. Yes. I'm not gonna read those for a while. I have a bunch of books I haven't read. Why am I buying books? <laughs> wow. I wanna know more. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything, like I don't think that's bad. To me, it just like indicates where my work is. It's different than one of my teachers who was like at a stage in his development where he's reading the same book over and over again, which is like what spiritual traditions have taught for a long time. It's like, yeah, read the same book every year. You read the same mm -hmm. passages on this holiday. It's like, you don't have to go far to learn new things. Mm -hmm. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Maybe I'll be there someday, but I'm not there yet. So uh, that's another edge on the knowing enough. Okay, doing enough. Yeah, this is my real, this is the biggest edge for me. I really struggle 
to slow down. I really struggle to believe maybe in a similar way to you, like that things will be okay if I'm not blanking Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it feels really, yeah, I feel like I have a lot of, I hold a lot of tension in my body. Like I feel it in my body when I see some need not being met and have the capacity to meet it and don't or like almost don't because usually I just do. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that there is some good there. I think there, you know, is kind of in that frame of like, if not now, when, or like, mm-hmm. if not you, who, like, I, I definitely feel that. And I think there's value there. Um, and I think sometimes it, like that can come at the expense of my individual well-being. Mm-hmm. If I do too much, then I become not well. Like if I am doing too much, I am not well. And so, or I am not enough. So definitely that's an edge and I'm getting better at my awareness of when I'm agreeing to things because I feel like I'm not already doing enough as opposed to when I'm agreeing to things because it's something that I feel excited about, passionate about, energy for, gift towards, like just, yeah, my learning there is about noticing the difference between if I'm coming from a place of not doing enough or from a place of joy and pleasure and attraction. Yeah, that's what I got for now. Oh my goodness. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for sharing all of that. I um, oh God. I have loved this. I have two uh, reflections and then two questions. Okay. One, which is just thinking about the role that death plays and the connection to death in feeling enough, where I think my childhood experience of losing my brother and feeling like for so many years, the work that I've been doing is feeling like enough as the one who lived. It wasn't, a, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't, a, there was no way I could have taken his place. And yet the story I told myself for, for decades was it could have been me and then he would still be here and he would be more. So am I enough to be living for both of us, which wasn't realistic or possible. It's not possible for me to live two lives uh, as one person. And I think it's interesting because when I did face my own death more clearly and realize just as you did that I won't be here forever. And my options are given that there's no way for me to take his place. There's just enough, like for me to be me is enough and a gift that I've been given in between, as you were saying, which I love these two deaths of before and after Mm. and the other recognition that enough is also humility that was I think an interesting thread love the baby and this idea that as humans we're all new to two legs in the geological time scale like Mm. we are all still figuring out walking and so all of the things Mm. we are figuring out I think is such a beautiful frame and there are some questions that I am leaving here with that I want to continue to be in dialogue with and I think invite our listeners to think about as well. And based on what you were saying at the end of this balance of uh, like where the doing was coming from and the balance of being able to do enough 
I think a question there is do enough for whom? Mm. And remembering that doing enough for yourself is also a question. Um, and the trade-off of, as you were saying, the sort of personal well-being, the being well in yourself, being enough and doing enough when those two are in conflict of being enough or doing enough for yourself or doing enough for others or the movement can be a real tension that I, uh, and a learning edge that I think I'm with. And then in hearing sort of what has brought, if one of the things that is driving us to feel like not enough is fear the fear of not having enough or the fear related to death of like not doing enough before we die, which I think is definitely a fear that's been real for me is what does it look like to not necessarily hope, but one thing I really admire about you is looking at death sort of square on. Um, and does that enable us to feel more enoughness across all of these four by just addressing the reality, the future of death, and the moment that we have to be. Great question. Are there other questions that you're sitting with or leaving with? Hmm. Well, one question that I want to just preview that we're going to continue to have conversations about, but maybe not going to answer today, even though I think we had intended to, is what is enough? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> so that's one question. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a question we're going to be asking the people we're going to be in dialogue with, which we're going to get to in a second. Yes. And I don't know if there's other questions I'm sitting with, but I would like to reserve the right to raise them between now and the end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. Great. So we are project buddies in the world. So this is by no means the first thing we have embarked on together. And we have done lots of learning in our projecting together. And so what we are trying to do here is keep it cute, contained. Short and spicy. Get it out. <laughs> That's right. Short and spicy. Get it out in the world. And get out in the world in a way that feels good and feels like it's like going to do the work we want it to do. So the arc of this little series, this little podcast mini series, we are shooting for six episodes. This is episode number one, episodes two, three, four, and five. Each of us will have separate conversations with other people about enough. Then we will listen to all the conversations um, and then have like a closing conversation kind of um, in reflection and noticing what came up, what didn't come up, what we learned, what we're still curious about. And I think our big picture intention for all of this is like you and I have been in this dialogue with each other for six or seven years. Both of us were in it in the world before that. And um, we have brought other people into conversation with us, like in workshop spaces and basement coffee spaces. <laughs> yep. And we're really interested in other people being in this conversation too. In particular, we want other people to be in conversation in their communities about enough. And so we are hoping to shape this in a way that supports people to have these conversations. And one way to do that, I think, is to model. So we're gonna model <laughs> with the structure of this. Um, and I think we're also gonna maybe be 
attuning people to questions. Like what are the types of questions you can ask or could be asking in and around you to spur this dialogue? So that's the plan. Does that sound about right? Yes, yes, that is our plan. Um, and our hope for those of you listening is to, as as Lauren said, be able to continue these conversations and continue the reflection in thinking for yourself what is enough for you and how you relate to these four elements of enough that feel really alive for us. So I hope that our conversation has done that for you because it certainly has for me. Same. And I'm really excited about the rest of this series and I look forward to it. So thank you. And thank you, Lawrence, for all that you've done to make this happen. We're going to close with each of us saying the four enough theme mantras, sentences. Yeah. I like mantras too, because I am enough certainly has been a mantra for me. All right. Shall we? Are we going to do it together? We're doing it separately. I don't know how this is going to (laughs) work. You can plan this out. We'll alternate. Okay. I have enough. I have enough. I am enough. I am enough. I know enough. I know enough. We can do this. We can do this. I do enough. I do enough. Okay, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Thanks again for tuning in to the first episode of Enough. Enough is hosted by me, Lawrence Berner II. And me, Caroline Howe. Our show is produced and edited by Ray Pang. Our music is by Smith the Mister. To access the transcripts and any links, check out our show notes. And next week, we'll be back with another conversation with my dear friend, Sandra Kim. This project is a labor of love, and we're so excited to bring you the rest of the series. In the meantime, if you're looking to keep spreading the conversation about enough, you can help us do that by sharing this episode with two friends and having a conversation about enough with them or by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or sending us a love-filled email with your thoughts and questions to IamEnoughPod at gmail.com. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.